five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond with your host, Justin. But before we get started, how was your geek week? And co-hosts, Dan and Jason. You have to be willing to let the dice help you tell the story. Okay, look, this year, I'm going to stop mispronouncing words. Join us as we cover board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. This is our Talking Warhammer segment. And I am Justin, your host, and we've got a special guest with us today, uh, Reese Robbins. Welcome to the show, Reese. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, Reese, you are with Frontline Gaming, and we have a lot to talk with you uh, today. We want to talk about, uh, first off, Frontline Gaming. We want to talk about some of the open tournaments that you guys are running, and also the ITC, which is always a hot topic. Uh, I feel like all of my friends, all they ever talk about is ITC when we're talking Warhammer, which is cool, and uh, it's exciting because uh, there's a lot of good stuff there, and we want to dive into it today. Yeah, happy to. So before we get in, why don't you uh, give us a little bit of a background, um, you know, who, who you are, where you're at, and what you do, a little bit of that. Sure. Uh, so obviously, my name's Reese. I'm the CEO of Frontline Gaming. I co-own it with my partner, Frankie. Um, currently, the business is located in Boulder City, Nevada. Uh, we started out in um, California and made the move to uh, just basically have a better quality of life and it's easier to run a business here than in California, as a lot of people are probably aware. And um, got into game. I've been a gamer my whole life. I uh, got into uh, Warhammer games, gosh almost 20 years ago now, I started playing at the dawn of second edition. Okay. And um, yeah, I missed Rogue Trader by like months. Um, Okay. So I I never played Rogue Trader, but I played since then and uh, been just hardcore into it. The only time I didn't play was when I was in college. Um, I was just too busy. Uh, We were just chatting about rugby and I was was playing rugby. I was in a fraternity. I was taking a full load. I was working 30 hours a week. So I just, I didn't have any time. Um, and then Dawn, the Dawn of War video game came out right as I graduated. And, uh, <laughs> Rekindled went, that fire, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, because, like, I had kind of forgotten about it because I was so busy in college. And then uh, I bought the game, and I started playing it. And I was like, oh, man, I've, I used to love this. And I went back to my parents' house and dug all the stuff out of the garage and... Um, got really big into 40K, like got hugely involved again. And then I just kept getting more and more and more involved um, until we started running events. And then uh, another business I was trying to get started didn't work out. So then I just decided I would take one more shot at being an entrepreneur, started a game store. And it's just kept morphing and growing into something more and more bigger and crazier than I ever thought it would be. Um, You know, now we... We have a paint studio, we manufacture products, we're e-tailers, we have a store, we run events, um, we produce content online, we just, we do a little bit of everything, and the company has grown, like, it's exceeded all expectations by a mile. Um, I didn't really know what to expect going into it, because I didn't have any experience with really any of it, 
Yeah. Except blogging was the only thing I'd had any prior experience with. So we, we learned it all as we went and, and, uh, here we are started the ITC as a part of that. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been quite the journey. We, we've been in business for 11 years now. Oh, congratulations. So, uh, where in California did you guys start out? We started in this little tiny town called Martinez and okay. it's, uh, up near the, it's about an hour away from San Francisco. It's in like, uh, uh, the big, the big thing in the town is a steel refinery. Um, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny little town. And, uh, that's where we got going, um, in a little 450 square foot commercial space, like not even like ludicrously small. And that's how, that's how we got the whole thing going. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. Well, I, I definitely want to touch more on frontline gaming and kind of where you guys came from and, and uh, where you guys were at. Um, so that's exciting. So you said that you play for you played 40k. You still play 40k, I imagine. Um, and uh, do you play Sigmar at all, or any of the other like uh, box games, maybe Warcry, Kill Team, any of that stuff? Um, I do still play 40k. Um, it's been I've I've taken a little bit of a break. I've been extremely extremely busy. Sure, um, sure. Like the ITC has joined up with Games Workshop. That was a huge, huge project. Um, I used to play in tournaments all the time. I was a tournament junkie, but yeah. um, since the company has been growing and we've had a lot of projects going on, I, in the last year I've only played a few times, but generally speaking, I play all, all the time. Um, yeah. I played Sigmar a ton up until we moved. And then when COVID hit, it was a challenge to just find people to play with. And everyone around here plays uh, Sigmar. But in San Diego, I'm sorry, 40K. In San Diego, I played Sigmar almost as much, even perhaps more than I played 40K. Okay. All right. Right on. Yeah, we just had a good friend, um, Matthew Barker, who moved from here from Virginia to the Southern um, California area. He's in um, Laguna Beach, I believe. And uh, he... Like he says, there's a real big Sigmar crowd out there. Um, sounds like he, he there's like a little uh, tournament that's like got 30 people in it, and it was like full like overnight. You know what I mean? And and it's just really easy to find games, which is awesome. Yeah, Southern California has a really healthy Sigmar scene, um, and it's it's a great game. It's really fun. I I, I hate with a vengeance the stupid double turn mechanic i can't stand right. it and like yeah. like i've had i've been fortunate enough to be able to talk to the game developers and i'm like man what's up with the double turn i was like that that is literally like all the people i know that don't play age of sigmar that is why yeah, right yeah and yeah. i'm like yeah and like the, like some people really like the rule but i don't i've never i've never met someone that's like i won't play 40k because it doesn't have a double turn you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, that's true. I was it like, go I, both ways. Yeah, right, sure. like I was like, I don't think anybody would quit if you got rid of it, but a lot of people would probably start to play. Um, yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. It's a part of the game. And like, if I had a magic wand, I would change it. But I used to play uh, a really shooty uh, uh, free cities yep. Uh, yep. army. And if I got the double turn on the first turn, like nine times out of ten the game was over i was like this is so stupid right yeah definitely. i would actually feel bad i was like well here goes my shooting phase again again right and and i think that with the rise of the shooting meta near the end of the second edition right of sigmar like you really started seeing that happen quite a bit like ko was really strong with that shooting <laughs> you know and yeah and zinch, and, uh, zinch yeah, back zinch. then was insane 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, no, it's kind of funny because I um, started playing Age of Sigmar. I didn't start playing Warhammer until about 2018. Um, and I actually got into it by painting models for my, uh, like, my RPG campaigns. Right? I'm like, oh, these models are amazing. Let me get into it. Let me start painting it. And the more I painted, the more I was like, oh, I really want to play this game, actually. Like, you know, I, I've just you know, painted a whole bunch of ghosts, like maybe I should actually put them on the table and see what they do, you know? Yeah. And so, <laughs> so I got in through the painting aspect of it and, uh, then started playing Sigmar. So that was, uh, like 2018. Yeah. It was like the 2018 general's handbook when that came out, like that's when I started playing. And, um, yeah. So the double turn for me is just a thing, right? Like, I mean, I grew quote unquote grew up with it and uh it you know it's just been kind of baked into my thing and so it does feel weird to go play 40k and be like oh yeah there's no chance of a double turn here and you know you're you're right that like i'm not going to stop playing 40k because there's no double turn right but uh it's funny coming not not having come from 40k you know the double turn is just a fact for me um and so i don't think it bothers me as much as of those who started playing 40k um it bothers them and i totally understand too and like you said with the shooting or magic meta like it can it can be a little overpowering sometimes yeah and it's it's not like like i still really enjoy the game and the models mm -hmm. are are better than 40k 40k is catching up but yeah. the the models are just spectacular oh, um, absolutely yeah they're so good and like i i do really enjoy the game but um yeah, the double turn. I just, I'm not, I'm not a fan. Even, even with a melee army, if you go first and double on turn on turn one, and you're really fast, you're still. Yeah. It's not as bad, but it's still absolutely brutal. Yeah. But with yeah, it, with sure. melee, at least you alternate, you know. But yeah, with um, in the old days when I had three of the uh, rockets with the cities of Sigmar and um, the crossbowmen that used to be able to shoot twice. Oh was, yeah, right, right. It was so ridiculous. I was like. Well, you're left. You, I've, I've killed fifty percent of your army, and you haven't even done anything yet. Like, are you having fun? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Definitely a negative play experience. There. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um. So, do have you tried? Uh, like, I we have another segment on our podcast. Um, is the Warcry podcast like where we focus on Warcry stuff? Have you played any like that or? Uh, I have. Or anything like that. So I have most of the Warcry and Shadespire models just because they're, like, brilliant models. They're so good. They're so, they're so good. good. I've yeah. read – I've played Shadespire a couple times, and it really wasn't my favorite. I didn't, I yeah. didn't, dis, I didn't dislike it, but it wasn't my favorite. Um, Warcry, I've read the rules, and I, I feel like I understand how the game plays. I just haven't had a chance to play it. But it, yeah. it, it looks a little wacky and wild, which is not my favorite. Like, there's a lot of – like – that's not true. I did. I did play once. I played a demo game, and like the random activation of abilities, just depending on what you roll, is not my favorite. Yeah, um, gotcha. But the rest of it, like, the, like if you're if you're playing, to, in my very you know limited opinion of the game, seeing as I've only played it once, if you're looking for a beer and pretzels experience, I think it would be absolutely fantastic, right? Like all yeah. this goofy shit is going on. It's fun. The models are brilliant. Um, but I, like trying to play it like seriously, like competitively, due to the random nature of it, I, I think it would be a little frustrating. But I totally could be wrong. So it's interesting to say I I think that it's at its strongest when it's like a narrative type of thing. You know right. what I mean? Where yeah. you're playing with your buddies and you've got sort of this 
they have these kind of quasi campaigns in the books that you can follow, you know, and, and things like that. And I think it's, you know, you, you get a game with your buddies. It's a lot of fun. In fact, I'm going to play my, my friend tomorrow and, you know, we're really excited about it. Um, Adepticon this year had probably the first, and I'm, you know, it's the first, it was the first major Warcry competitive tournament um, ever. Because unfortunately for Warcry, it came out like literally like six months before the pandemic. Hit, yeah. You know, and so before like anybody had a chance to start incorporating it into the big events, you know, the big opens and things like that, um, it, it just didn't have a chance to get its feet on the ground. So here we are, Adepticon 2022, and this was the first major tournament that had an event. Like there's probably some small event somewhere that had some sort of Warcry event, but, you know, this was the first big one, and, um, you know, I think there was 20 people that played over the weekend, you know, which is not a lot. Um, yeah, but, but for a small, for a small yeah. game, that's really not bad at all. Yeah. And right? they, like, um, if you, they did that, good, that, yeah. That's, pl that's plenty of people to have a great time. Like, yeah. A, yeah. a lot of people get too fixated on, like, the number of attendees, in my opinion, and, like, like that's not an indicator of how enjoyable the event is going to be. So, right. like, obviously, like, the big numbers are awesome and they're exciting. But in my experience, like, some of the most fun events I've ever been to are, like, the one-day RTTs where you play three rounds and there's yep. 20 people. Oh, for sure. And you're, like, you know, giving each other a hard time across yeah. the, uh, the room, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's super know? fun. <laughs> it's so much fun. And, yeah, so... Uh, I think that we're going to start seeing more competitive Warcry out there. Um, and I think that, I think that it'll start picking up. That's, that's my opinion. I think, um, they, they came out with the Tome of Champions book just recently, um, which is kind of like the general, general's handbook of, you know, of Warcry. And it basically had a format on how to run like a good tournament. And it even had like pre set up scenarios. So I think that that helps a lot with the randomness you know, um, because people know how to plan for it, and and um, it cuts down on a lot of that stuff. But in terms of the dice rolls and the activation stuff, yeah, I mean that's all still going to be random. And uh, and when I say dice rolls, I mean like ro you know, like you said earlier, rolling for abilities and things like that, right? It's not just yeah. your, your roll to hit type of thing. Yeah, and like for people who are like, what are you talking about? Like, depending on what you roll, you put the dice together to activate your special abilities. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's exactly. like I like I like skirmish games more as I get older, um, because for time reasons. Time, it's such a yeah. thing. <laughs> and like uh, the game I've been playing a lot lately is actually Marvel Crisis Protocol. Oh, I heard really good things about it. It's uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant game. Like the two guys that made it were two of the main guys from Privateer Press. Okay. And yeah. War, War Machine got a little bit bloated um, at the end, but it was a really yep. well designed game. And so they, they're, you know, vet, they're veterans in the industry and I'm a big comic book nerd yeah, and, okay. um, and you can play MCP in an hour. So, Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. So like, I, what I like a couple of bunch of the guys at work, but I'm kind of limited to what my coworkers play really, because it's like <laughs> what you're like, whatever they're into, if you want to get a game in, you're just like, well, after work, we can all get a game in. And so right, that, right. like, so, like, I kind of go with the flow with what everybody else is doing, and, and MCP is the big one that everyone's excited about. Um, so we've been playing that, like, once a week-ish, and it's it's super-duper fun. It's a really, really good game. 
Um, I have only heard good things about it, and I've been tempted so many times to pick it up, but then I like I'm like, oh, more more Games Workshop models or something. You know what I mean? Something else comes out, and I just need to do it. I just need to pull the trigger and get it. And um, they look like the models are a blast to paint up, and uh, you know you've got some terrain that looks really cool, and it just looks like a fun time. For sure. It is. It's yeah. It's super fun. The models are amazing. They're extremely good. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, as a comic book nerd, it's just really fun because it's it's based off the comic books, not the MCU. So it's like if you read Marvel comics growing up, you'll re you'll recognize most of the characters and um, super duper fun. Really good game. You only need five models. I mean, technically you need ten, but you play. You usually play with five. Yeah. Okay. All right. But. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm jumping back into 40K. Um, now that I've got, like, we have a new events manager, and I've got, he's gotten trained up to where he's relatively self-sufficient. And um, the ITC deal is pretty much done. And I'm going to jump back in, I think, with NIDS. I was going to jump back in with Eldar. Okay. But the, the army I wanted to play is, like, as complicated as it can possibly be in 40k <laughs> right so, so i was looking at it and i was like my 41 year old brain is like eh, let's do something simple <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh that's awesome so speaking of um jumping back into 40k we had some kind of reveals at adepticon that game uh, games workshop put out what did you think about the horus heresy uh announcement that they had um, I don't have a strong opinion. I don't, I, I, the, the Horus Heresy is the best part of the lore, but the game has never interested me in the slightest. Right, um, right. And, and there's I, a weird dichotomy there, isn't there? Like, yeah, it's I, like, I don't, the Horus Heresy is like, lore-wise is like, so crucial to the entire game. And then yeah. game-wise, you're like, eh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's still using 7th edition rules, and I, I, 7th edition was not my favorite edition. Okay. Um, it was still fun, but it wasn't like... There was a lot of rules issues that got fixed in eighth, yeah. And so it's like stuck in the past. And I, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that they're, they, they believe that they committed to sticking with seventh because the books are extremely expensive and they didn't want to invalidate people's books, which is totally understandable. Right. Um, but like, and like the Primarchs are badass and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I just it, like Marines versus Marines in every game is just like not super appealing. Right, right. I mean, who doesn't love to go up against a bunch of, you know, green skins or, or nids or something like that, right? Um, yeah, you know, and they threw in a couple They threw in a couple extra armies, which is which is cool to mix it up, but um, you know, like I said, I'm not trying to to put it down. Like I have a lot of friends that love to play it. Yeah. Um, it just it just never I I didn't I've never even read the rule book or anything. I usually will at least do that. Yeah, I thought there was a lot of excitement. I mean, they, they went to the effort of putting together that, like, amazingly, like, detailed cinematic trailer. Um, and I, <laughs> it was funny because I was watching the t Twitch stream as they did that, and, like, everybody was like, is this a game that's coming? Like, a video game that's coming out? Is this, like, like what is this? And then the announcer was like, no, uh, guys, really, it's, it's for the tabletop game. Just announcing it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> it was like so well put together. It looked like the beginning, like cinematic of a video game, and so um, you know, it, it's interesting. I wonder, I wonder if it like that will be enough to get more people to kind of come over to that. But at every every big event I've been to, like Hor the Horus Heresy, like Warhammer 30K kind of stuff, has always been like 
relegated to the side rooms. You know, it hasn't been that big. We, so we've had some really big uh, 30K events before. Oh, really? It's, it's usually when 40K is less popular, uh, right? Like, it's the okay. same with Age of Sigmar, right? Like, the biggest Age of Sigmar events usually are when 40K is less popular. Right. Uh, right. People will pivot. Like, we, we've, had, like, we've had well over 100 players for Horus Heresy before. And that's, it, like, tends to be at the end of edition when people are getting a little bit antsy. Um, so I guess, like, I just went back and read the article. I guess they are announcing a new edition right. of Horus Heresy. So I, I don't know anything of what's in it. But I, I do remember some of my friends were saying that they're going to be um, making the Marines bigger. Is that right? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Because that would be a huge change if they changed the scale. I wonder how that would happen. I could be totally wrong. I just remember some of my... Uh, I remember hearing that, too, kind of through the grapevine of, like, oh, okay, now they're going to try to retcon Primaris in, in you know, and that's all in quotes. Uh, you can't see my me doing air quotes, right? But, like, retcon Primaris into, into like, 30K, right? Because um, yeah, um, I think some of the new models are a little bit bigger. Maybe that's what it was. And I, I don't have – I don't know anything about it. I was just trying to look it up really quick while yeah, we were yeah. talking. And uh, – because one of my friends was saying that they were changing the scale, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I was like, because yeah. a lot of people have really expensive Forge World models. I'd be like, no, I'm good. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I'll keep playing with the toys I have. Thank you. I mean, but um, for, for the people getting into it down the road, if the models are cooler looking, that's only a benefit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, – uh, we'll have to wait and see because I genuinely yeah. don't – I don't know that much about it, to be honest. So uh, something else that uh, during the Adepticon preview, um, they had a couple Age of Sigmar things that came out. Uh, one is they're announcing like the Arena of Shades, right, which is the uh, the Night Hunt versus uh, Daughters of Cain that's coming out, um, which I think is kind of interesting because they haven't announced the books, and you would think that they would be the books would at least be right around the corner since they sort of pre-announced that, um, but. I think I gotta think that there's gotta be some supply issues happening. Obviously, like they've been plagued with Games Workshop has been plagued with supply issues. Every I mean stuff. everybody has man. Yeah. Like, like yeah. we we've had crazy supply chain issues with our company, and yeah, it's it's really difficult. Like, you know, it's it, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Like, it's, you just can't get the stuff you want or need right now. Right. Um, which which makes me think like I don't know if you saw like there's that Thondia. Um, stronghold set that was coming out it had like a bunch of terrain pieces and the the incarnate which was like a bone whirlwind looking thing yeah is that, is that an endless spell or something um so it's it's like what it's i was trying to read up on it it's they call it an incarnate which is like basically like magic infused relics or something like that which is not technically an endless spell but like a wizard can summon it and then it eats endless spells Huh. So it's almost like an anti-endless spell, endless spell. <laughs> it's a cool. I mean, it's a it's a bitchin model, but yeah, that's yeah. So uh, um, I'm a I, dude playing a dude who's exactly. playing another dude, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can't help but think that this box right here, this Thondia Stronghold, should have been released like six months ago. You know, like when just shortly after the Dominion box came out, because. I have a sneaking suspicion that when the um, Daughters of Cain and Night Hunt bo um, books come out, that they're going to pivot into a new realm 
um, mostly because those two those two lines of army they don't have any monsters in them really. Yeah. So like, why would you promote these two armies in a monster heavy meta right now? Because that's where the realm is, right? And so I've got a suspicion that we're going to be pivoting realms, but um, like, why would they release this whole thing like a month before or two months before we pivot realms? If only, if, like, I think the supply chain had a big issue with that. You know what I mean? A big, big uh, influence on that. Yeah, I mean, as a retailer, I can tell you 100%. They, they're just now getting back back up to speed on the on all that kind of stuff. And, like, I, I you know, I, I don't know specifically if they are fully caught up, but right. as a retailer, it feels like they are now, like, getting caught up. Because, I mean, we had allocations for years, and it was rough, you know, like, but, it, you know, it wasn't their fault either. I'm not throwing, throwing yeah, shame. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 for sure. Um, but, yeah, it, it was brutal, and now, like, now it feels like they're they're getting caught up, but it was a long time when it was like you get two or, or oh, one. Uh, yeah, you're like cool. <laughs> right, right. And I remember when we started first hearing about those kind of allocation things, right? Everybody was like, "What is what is GW doing? Like, why are they doing this?" Right. And this is before like all all the stuff started coming in, and and like now we understand, you know, now we understand that like it was supply chain issue, and <laughs> like I mean. A year and a half ago, we weren't talking like supply chain wasn't a word in our vocabulary. Now everybody knows what it is. Yeah. Know? So, <laughs> so yeah, you can't blame them at all. And and I hope that they do it because like obviously as a company, they're just like, man, we want to put this stuff out. We have a schedule that we want to do. So let's try to get it out. But you know, it it's frustrating when when you can't seem to get product from point A to point B in a timely manner. Yeah. You know? yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm I'm excited to see what these uh, things are, um, and uh, you know, hopefully we can we can get them out on the shelves and and uh, in a timely manner. So, yeah, it'll be pretty good. Um, so, uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Frontline Gaming. So, you said that you started this company 11 years ago uh, in Southern California, right? Northern, Northern California. Northern California. Fine. That's right. In Martinez, yeah. right? If okay. you're from California, you know that's a big that's a big mistake. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm from like I told you before. I'm from Reno, and I I know that's a big mistake. It's like saying yeah. Northern Nevada and Southern Nevada. So, yeah. The joke the joke is there's a war between Northern California and Southern California, but nobody in Southern California knows about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're from NorCal, cool. and someone's like, "Oh, you're from SoCal," they're like, "No way, bro! I'm from NorCal." <laughs> So it's kind of funny, uh, you know, being from Reno, right? I was just over the mountains, basically from from where you yeah. were at, yeah. and um, but my all of my like stomping grounds when I was in high school, like I was a, a whitewater rafting guide on the American River, um, that's like out near Auburn, California, you know, um, like we hey we do stuff all in the Sierras and like get down into Stockton and you know we go to like the Redwoods and all that stuff in Northern California so there's a special place in my heart for NorCal for sure you know and we'd always get down to the Bay Area every now and then and and uh that was that was some good times really really yeah. enjoyed Northern California yeah California is a wonderful it's really genuinely it's like one of the most amazing places on the planet but um you know trying to run a small business there is like playing the game on maximum difficulty uh, you know, I don't think I need to say anything else about it, but getting out of there was like the best thing we ever did for the company. 
Yeah, listen, I I mean, again, being from Nevada, I understand that as well because we would see a lot of folks from California bring their businesses to Reno, um, especially from the Bay Area. You may not know this, but uh, Reno is becoming like a very hot destination for sushi. I didn't know uh, that. <laughs> because, because there's all of these amazing chefs in like uh, in the Bay Area that are like, I can't afford this anymore. And they would just take their business and start up their own sushi restaurant in Reno. And uh, there was some great stuff. Like yeah, Reno is like becoming like uh, kind of like hipster central. Like it's like a lot of young people are moving there because it's more affordable than Vegas. And yep. from what I my one of my best buds, he also just left California for Reno, and he uh, he loves it. He said like oh, it's it's really kind of come into life. Like there's all these new businesses, and um, that's great. Like we actually looked at uh, Carson City as a possible destination. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I love to ski and, and mountain bike and all that sort of yes, stuff. Yes. So I was like, yeah, guys, let's go to Carson City. And everyone was like, eh. <laughs> I was like, go do something physically active, you nerds. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> You're like, don't you understand? It's halfway between Lake Tahoe and Virginia City. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, it's only 45 minutes to Tahoe. And it's like, yeah. Reno's right there. But I couldn't sell it. So. Oh, yeah. that's too bad. That's too bad. <laughs> I kind of yeah. understand why they didn't want to go to Carson City, though. Like, yeah. A little yeah. bit. <laughs> They're like, eh, what's the outside like? Eh. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So you guys, but you guys moved to Boulder City too, which I was telling you earlier. That's where, like where my father was born, and that's not a very big city in itself either. Oh, it's tiny. It's yeah, it's like sixteen thousand people. Yeah, um, it's, I mean, it's like a pit stop on the way to the Hoover Dam. Yeah, yeah that's you know? the the city exists because the workers that built the Hoover Dam. That's where they lived. Yeah. And, uh, but it, you know what? I actually really like Boulder City. It's a very charming. Oh, it totally is. Like, nice, quiet little town. And, like, I really like living there. I moved to Henderson. I, I was, uh, I bought a house, uh, in 2020, at the end of 2020. Um, but the year I was in, uh, Boulder City, I really, I really liked it. I would have stayed there, but the houses are, like, pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they they limit the amount of growth, so there's low supply. But uh, the like the reason we were in Boulder City and not Vegas proper is the um, energy here is is uh, subsidized. It's cheaper. Oh. And be, because we run, we do a lot of manufacturing. We have these you know big giant equipment that draws a ton of juice. Oh. And okay. Yeah, and we. Uh, uh, we got a really good deal on uh, some industrial slash commercial space and it was just perfect because it has like storefront and it also has industrial space, which is exactly what we need. And it's not, uh, it's not easy to find that combination. So, so I was going to ask, I mean, like, you know, we're talking about frontline gaming and I think anyone, anyone who has played Warhammer in the United States, at least um, has like, has come across one of your ads, like whether it be on Facebook or, you know, wherever. I mean, I see your ads on Facebook all the time. Um, and so your marketing's working by the way, you know, oh, excellent. <laughs> I, see, I see stuff for mats and, you know, and, and, uh, uh, painting services and things like that. So, so yeah, like I said, your marketing's working. So I see it anyways. Um, but I was going to ask you, uh, are you guys primarily retail? Like, like, you have brick and mortar retail or are you primarily online retail like what like what what's your deal there yep we are brick and mortar online like the majority of our sales are online obviously okay. um but uh yeah we're brick and mortar and you know obviously we sell a lot of stuff at our events 
Um, yeah. Like, you know, people go to conventions to put up their booth for a reason. It's just we happen to run. We all we also happen to run the conventions. Right, um, right. So it's... Uh, Charge yourself yeah, for space there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, so we've, we've tried to build a business that... So real, from the game is really five different businesses all under one umbrella. Okay. And they all feed into and, and build off of one another, right? So... It's like, oh, if you want to get a paint, uh, a paint commission, um, a painting commission done, you can do it with us, and then also get the models at a discount. Oh, and then we can also get a mat and terrain to match your army, and you can do it all in one place. And oh, do you want a right. table also to play it on? We have 44 by 60 plastic folding tables that we made. Um, so it's like, you, the objective is to be able to be a one-stop shop for everything, right? Like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, every every year we keep building towards doing that. And, um, you know, it's it, it, it was harder to to get going when you're doing multiple things at once. But it's um, it's better in, in the long haul, in my opinion. So I was going to say, did you guys start out that way, um, like wanting to have all of these services or or did you just start with the idea of like, OK, well, we want to just sell models and be a game store and then realize that there was a. A market for some of that other stuff we, we started out doing everything we, we started out with events first okay and then we All opened right. up a game a game store and like i said the store was 450 square feet it was, it was a closet right. <laughs> and so um we knew that we weren't gonna be able to survive just being a store yeah and i had been like i kind of made my name in the 40k community by being a blogger oh, um, right. i started okay. out writing for like bowls and stuff back when bowls was basically the only show in town um yeah. And so we started our own blog, which is now quite popular. And we started a podcast at the same time. And this is back when podcast, there was like two 40K podcasts. Right, right. Um, and then we started a paint studio. So like my Frankie and I would be like answering the phone, painting commissions while talking to customers and demoing games and planning the next event. And, you know, it was nuts in the, in the beginning. Um, but that was the only way we could survive is we had to do everything. Uh, I can imagine. I mean, that's, that's quite the, you know, quite the, uh, uh, full plate right there. Uh, it's funny because I've talked with my friend I'm like, okay, like if we were to start a gaming store, can we make it viable? And I think that we've come to the conclusion that you guys came to, which is just a gaming store on its own, like is really, really hard to sustain. It's, you know, it like is the dumbest a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's the dumbest business model in the world. Like I was talking to some of my friends that are business people and I was like, think about what a gaming store is. You're renting some of the most expensive commercial space right. in like possible, right? Like a lot of people want to go into the mall or something like that. Yep. Yep. And if you're in a really small, like a really small town or something like that, you can get it at a decent price. But generally speaking, that's the most expensive commercial or um, uh, non-residential space you can rent, right? right? And you're building an area where people come, spend no money, right. take your staff's time, <laughs> oftentimes, or, or yep. actually, that actually cost you money to have them there. Right, right. And I'm like, so you're, you're taking a huge financial risk and you're opening a business with the intention of having people hang out all day and spend no money. <laughs> it's exactly. the stupid i mean they're in you know they're awesome right because like all of us hang out in them and they're fun right but and, and god bless anybody who does it like we did it but like 
thinking about it purely objectively, you're like, this is idiotic. Like this is the dumbest business model of all time. Right. right? And as and it rent, rents have been going way up, especially on industrial and commercial space. So it's like, I don't see, unless you're in a place where you get a hell of a deal on the rent. I really don't. I, I think that the future of the game store is going to switch to a service, um, a service based uh, you know, a business model. I, I don't. Were you like I don't rent see... out tables or something like that? Yeah, I think going to like a like a uh, like a gym a gym type business okay. model or like uh, to having a hybrid where you're selling food and, and beer. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like it's just unless you get a really really good deal on the rent, I just don't see it work. Like looking at what how much rent has gone yeah. up in the last couple of years, especially. I I, do, I don't see like it's just the margins in retail are terrible. Like, I don't see how you make enough money to cover rent, pay employees, and have any kind of a decent life. Well, and especially for the wargaming stuff, right? Like, I'll buy, let's say I buy an army, and I invest in an army, and it's anywhere from 500 to to $1,000, let's just say. You know what I mean? Um, I may do that at the beginning of one year and never buy another thing for a year and a half. But you're no. at the game store two, three times a week. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And it's so. like, and the thing, like, people don't realize, like, if you have a good size store, like, over 2,000 square feet, and 2,000 square feet is not big, right? right. Like, right. Let's, no, like, you're, they're, they're spending an insane amount of money on rent. In, like, whenever I tell people what we would pay on rent, and we were always in, like, the bad part of town and the cheapest possible rent. Yeah. It, people's eyes, they would boggle their mind. Yeah. It's like two, three, four, five, ten times what you spend on your home. Right. And that's just the rent. Like if you like run the AC and you're in a hot area, the electric <laughs> bill will be four figures. Right. Every month. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm not kidding. And it's like, that's just to run the AC. Yeah. And it's like these game and like these gamers who are in there not spending any money are like, oh, it's hot. You're like, Buy something and I'll buy turn the chips, AC dude. on. You really yeah. need to buy some chips. Yeah. So I talk to people all the time because everybody wants to run a game store and I did too. Yeah. And you like, you pretty quickly realize you're like, the margins have gotten shittier because yeah. of you're competing with Amazon. So the, you have to sell at a discount. Typically speaking, if you, if you manage to sell at MSRP, good for you. Right. Um, so your margin is nothing and your overhead is extremely high. I'm like, whew. This is a cool like, model, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, why would you ever? That's what I tell people. Like, they're like, oh, I want to start a game store. I'm like, take 50 grand and set it on fire and <laughs> save yourself two, three years of agony. Right. Right. We, um, my, my friend and I, Jason, and normally he's here with me, but he's traveling. Um, like, we've talked about this, and we said we have to have a different model than the, just the game store, right? And yeah. uh, we talked about, like, have, needing to have food and serve, like, a coffee bar is almost a must. Yeah, know, I think if you do, like, and, if you yeah. do, like uh, beer, wine, coffee, like, uh-huh. you don't want to prepare food because that's a, right. that is, a, that running a restaurant, like, I tip my hat to anybody who succeeds in that business. That is such <laughs> a difficult business. But it's almost have, like, harder food, than a game store. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, it's, well, your margins are better, but it's like your your inventory goes bad, right? Yeah, yeah. So, right. like, the logistics of managing all the back end of it's really challenging, and then, you know, your employees are hooking up with each other, and there's right, all this right. drama and everything <laughs> and stuff, so, um, but, you know, and, and if you run a good restaurant, it can be very profitable, but the, um, 
if you have prepackaged food, you don't have to have a, a food license or a kitchen right, or any right. of that sort of stuff. So, so I think if you did that, because I think retail in general is, is dying. Like, uh, I think just the retail model is, is just, it's, it's dying and COVID accelerated it. More and more yeah. people are going online. Like if you look at industrial space, like warehouses, the rents have doubled, if not tripled in the last, since COVID hit. Which is it's, funny because they're almost like pricing themselves out of people coming in. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, I dude, you can't even you can't rent warehouse space in Vegas it's right wild. now. Like, like they, they've increased the cost per square square foot two three x, and they're on the market for a month max. No way. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So it's the 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 traditional retail model, like it'll still survive in some form, right? Yeah. Like yeah. a lot like a lot of the high end products. They don't make any money, but they don't care, right? Like they have their store on Rodeo Drive and it's a marketing piece. It doesn't make money. Right. But they don't care, right? But like trying to run like a mom and pop shop if you're not in a small town with really low rent, I just I I just don't see it. Yeah. I don't see it lasting, right? Like just like uh office space, like that's gonna tank because everyone's like, Oh, I can work it from home. Yeah. Or a, a lot of people and so office space is gonna become more available, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, that's kind of a funny, uh, you know, a, a, a funny uh, contrast right there where warehousing is impossible to get, but off spa- office space is, you know, prices are dropping like a rock because nobody wants it. Anyway, yeah. You know, so. So, yeah, th- things are changing pretty dramatically right now. And, uh, I mean, heck, if you could find out a way to run a game store in an office building somehow, get the zoning change or whatever, yeah, like, right, hey, right. that you might be able to get a good deal there, you know, because... Yeah. That's what CrossFit did. They went into industrial space, which is the cheapest price. Yep. yep. And, and then they the boxes, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's, that's exactly right. So, so you guys do manufacturing. You said tables. Uh, you make your mats. Um, you've got painting services that you do. Uh, you know, obviously you sell the models. Uh, you uh, you have a secondhand model store that I have checked out many a time. Um, to, uh, you know, that people will sell you guys models and you turn around and sell them as loose models. The reason why I look a lot at your uh, loose models is that, um, you know, as I told you before, I play Warcry, and so sometimes I don't want to invest in the entire, you know, I don't need a whole box of demonettes. I might just need four, you know, or something like that. And so loose models are amazing finds when I can can find them because I can put together some nice little war bands to play with um, without having to buy a, a box of 20 of them that I don't need, you know? So, um, so that's good. So you guys do that and, um, talk to me a little bit about your podcasting and, and blog stuff. Cause, um, this is where you guys are, you know, I think building off of your reputation that you have of running tournaments and then also like being a, like a thought leader in the industry as well. Yeah. So the blog was, um, one of the main, so the blog and the podcast were one of the main ways that we actually, got our voice out there and got people to notice who we were. Cause, um, again, we were in this little <laughs> shoebox, and it was hilarious. Cause when people would come to see the store for the first time, after listening to the podcast, they walk in and like the look of disappointment was always so funny. <laughs> They're like, this is it. I thought it'd be bigger. We're like, yep. <laughs> um, that is like, hilarious. The, yeah. It was, it was so funny. Every single time people walk in and like, this is not what I expected. And you're like, yeah. um but we were early adopters right so and that helped a ton right like when you're not now there's like eight gajillion podcasts yeah back then when it was like 40k (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it, at this point, I would say if you're gonna do a podcast, you do it for the love of it, right? And like, yeah, for sure. Don't worry too much about your about your analytics. Like, does it matter? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then, there was you were competing with like 40k radio, and like I think there was like one, one or maybe two others. That was it. Right. And we were the only competitive 40k podcast in the world at the time. Yeah. And we were also the like one of two. I think we were one of two, maybe three competitively oriented uh, blogs. Okay. So it was like, we, we found our niche right away. And like Frankie and I, especially at that point in time, um, we were two of the best players in the world at that time. So we really, really knew what we were talking about. And when you have that really valuable knowledge and no one else is, is out there putting that content out there, we were able to develop a really big following really fast. Um, yeah. and it, you know, timing was a big part of that. And like, I didn't know how to make a blog, you know, I was figuring it out as I went and our yeah. podcast, we were recording on a laptop with a $10 microphone, you know, <laughs> what in right. the store while people were in the store, you know what I mean? So the quality <laughs> was like, was shit. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It would feel, it was very authentic feeling, but the quality was not great. Yeah. But, but the content was good, right? right. Like. Right. And that was it. That was all you needed back then. Now you need good content and good production, um, which is good. You know, like the podcast scene keeps getting better. But yeah, that that was definitely, definitely, definitely how we made our, like, put our name out there. Plus, we ran uh, the BAO, which right on the first year was one of the biggest competitive events in the, in the uh, world. So right. like right out the gates, we've kind of put ourselves on the map by running a big event. Um and we just kept building on it from there. So it was a pretty natural transition into doing the ITC um, to help standardize everything. And that was our focus was competitive play um, for, you know, forever. It was the way we enjoyed the game the most. And um, that was definitely how we, we built frontline gaming in the early days. So uh, you, you just talked about BAO, which is the Bay Area Open for those that um, aren't aware. Um, there's LVO, the Las Vegas Open, and we I talked about that with our friend Matt Barker. Um, was our first Talking Warhammer segment that we had, uh, which was this recent 2022 Las Vegas Open. Sounded like a fantastic event. Um, a lot of great competition. We really we didn't talk a lot about the 40k side. It was mostly Age of Sigmar side, but um, sounds like it was a, a, a well-run event. I was there at the Las Vegas Open in 2020 right before everything started getting shut down. And I had an absolute blast there. You guys ran a really, really, really good uh, tournament and uh, a really, really good event. I thought, uh, like, you know, the the location was pretty good. And, you know, we wide open tables and great, great TOs. So, like, everything everything went really well, I thought, there. Oh, um, but glad, glad you liked it. Yeah, definitely. It was it's it was well worth the trip. Uh, my friend, uh, again, my co-host Jason and I, we went together and and uh, had a lot of fun. Uh, but you guys have uh, expanded a little bit too, right? Like you have some new opens that you um, are sort of sponsoring. I don't know how new they are. They're new to me. Like I heard about the Cherokee Open um, yep. just this year. Yeah. So we during COVID, when nobody else was trying to book events, we were like, now's the time to strike. Yep. So we went out and we started a bunch of new events because, you know, when no one else is buying, it's easy to get a good deal. Yeah. And uh, so we, we rolled the dice and we started a bunch of new events. Uh, the Cherokee Open, brand new. It's in North Carolina. We had yep. the Atlantic City Open, which is getting ready to go in June. 
and that's um, that's really turned up. Like you talk to my friends here in the DC area, right? Like that is a big event that they love going to. And again, it's a, a brilliant. It's well run. It, oh yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, that that will be our second biggest event in time. Um, oh, really, wow. it's a great, great venue, beautiful location. It's right on the, you know, obviously it's right on the the, the ocean, and um, that that one's coming into year two. We have the Lone Star Open that's coming into year two. That's in Allen, Texas. Um, we did the New Orleans Open, and we're not we're not doing that one again. We had some issues with the venue. Um, okay. Like, New Orleans is a, uh, I love I love New Orleans, but it, it is. Uh, it should be, it should be a different Louisiana should be a different country. Like <laughs> it's so much different than the rest of the United States, man. They have different law. They have like, literally it's, it's extremely different. But, um, so we, we, we're not going back to that one. We also have the SoCal open, which is a really big event. It's in yep. San Diego. Yep. Um, we have the Bay area open, which you mentioned that's in the, up by San Francisco, just right outside of San Francisco. So yeah, we have, we have a lot of events, um, going on in, in, we're at eight currently. We have Cruise Hammer, which is another one. We we don't directly run that, but we're a, a co-host. Yeah. That's on a that's on a cruise, super fun. Um, and if you don't mind me making a plug. Absolutely, um, go for it. Anybody who signs up for Cruise Hammer, and I think the next week or two, they can get their kids for free. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's a really affordably priced seven-day, like full cruise. Frontline Gaming doesn't like you know, and I'm not trying to push it because we get anything. Um, our friends run it and we just want it to be successful. Like last time there was like 80 people. It sounds really cool. Like it is amazing. <laughs> like I, dude, I, I only played like two games of 40 K the last time I went. Yeah. Yeah. It, Cause it's, it's fun just to hang out. Like you get a week of quality time with people that you probably only ever talk to online, if at all. Right. And you're having dinner together and you're going on excursions together. And it's, it's just a really, really fun vacation with other like-minded people i told i totally recommend it and and who doesn't want to play a little warhammer on their vacation right yeah like. and it's like <laughs> your wife won't get mad at you or your husband or whoever your, your significant other um because there's stuff for them to do too right, right? And, exactly and if um if you like food and, and booze there's un literally an unlimited amount Oh, that sounds that sounds really really cool. I I was looking at that on your webpage and I'm like, oh man, this looks really awesome actually. I think uh, I think my my buddy and I will have to convince our wives that we need to go on a cruise next year. <laughs> yeah, I, I super recommend it, man. Like, and again, like my my company gains nothing from it. Yeah. Um. So I'm not trying to like sell anybody on it, uh, on something that, that is lame. It's just we we are involved with it because it was I, I've been on two of them and I had a blast. So um, with these, uh, like the Atlantic City Open and the SoCal Open and, you know, some of these other ones that aren't there directly like in Las Vegas, right? Are, are you guys actually running them or are you farming them out to your friends who are in those areas? Like how, how does that work? No, we, we of, run them. Okay, so you actually fly from Las Vegas to or you truck it all out there and everything? So, yeah, we truck out all the gear and then uh, oh, wow. the, sta the staff that needs to be there flies. Yeah, it's. Logistically, that was quite a challenge figuring no all that out. I was like, I have way more respect for truckers and trucking companies now, because <laughs> like what we're doing is relatively simple. It's there and back. Right. But like getting all the logistics of timing and everything, like it's it is not as simple as I think people would think it is. It's also really expensive. <laughs> oh, dude! Like if you even look at you know renting a U-Haul. 
Well, you can't um, even get them in a lot of places right now. I know, and but like I remember, this is um, gosh, what was it? it this was like ten years ago when I was looking to move, right? Getting uh, getting a U-Haul. I'm like, wait, how much is this again? You know, and it actually ended up working out cheaper to pay movers. You know, and yeah. like like oh, I wouldn't say cheaper, you know, necessarily, but like if you factored in the time of doing it all yourself, it was cheaper. You know what I mean? To to have movers do it. But like it like it is probably crazy expensive to haul all that stuff from Las Vegas to uh Atlantic City. I mean it's that not is cheap. literally across the country. Yeah, it's know? it's not it's not cheap. Um but you know, it 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 is what it is and we're actually thinking about just buying a uh, a, a, con- a container. Oh, interesting. Okay. And yeah, because then like we can leave everything train. stored in it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like yep. it, it's kind of two birds, one stone, and then yeah. just have a rig come and pick it up and haul it out. But yeah, that's an interesting concept. Uh, yeah. Well, that that's that's very cool. Um, it's interesting because you, I think you touched on something that leads us into our next, you know, next discussion about the ITC. Um, with you running these different opens, I think what you're able to see and what a lot of us gamers are able to see is better standardization. You know, I think standardization is a good thing and a bad thing. You know, I, I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword. On one hand, um, it's good because I know what I'm getting when I go to one of your events, you know, and... I like the product that you guys have. I like, you know, again, you guys run very good events. I, I've always been impressed with them. Um, on the other hand, you know, you've got like little little um, other tiny tournaments like, um, what is it? It's the uh, the team tournament that's in uh, Nashville, right? Um, I can't remember the name off of hand. But, you know, it's got its own like, you know, culture and things like that that's a little bit different so standardization kind of has a double-edged sword but i think that for the purpose of like competitive play standardization is really really important yeah 100 percent. and that would that was always the objective with everything we were trying to do like when you come to a frontline gaming event you want to have the same experience and that yeah. was the objective with the itc like as much as possible like you don't want to like take away the variety to some degree because a lot of people like that yeah. But like, you know, like in the in, like in uh, the PGA, like each course is different, which is cool. But they're all still playing by the same rules. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. Yep. Like, because we always knew, like, and everyone agreed that it would be easier to get people to travel to events if they didn't, if like they were going to play, have a, generally speaking, the same experience, right? right. Like, yeah. Um, you know, from from point to point. So that yeah, that was always one of our objectives, to was to try to standardize the play experience. Um. And, and to make it easy for people to just like, hey, uh, yeah, I want to go to the event and not have to go look like pour over the player pack and go like, oh, okay, like, like what, what goofball thing did they add to this event that's going to like make my army not work right or whatever. Right. Exactly. Uh, which I never, I never understood. I'm like, why do you do that as a TO? Like, you know, all you're doing is making it less appealing for people. But for some people, like being creative is really important to them. So it is what it right, is. Right, right. I mean, unless it's, you know, I think those gimmicky events are a ton of fun. And I think as long as you know what you're getting going into it, 
like that's the important thing, right? Instead of like a, a gotcha moment where you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't read subparagraph three dot two dot one. That right. tells me, you know, that tells me that uh, my ability doesn't work. Then I built my whole army around. So that's cool. Um, yeah, the missions, know. the missions should not get in the way. It should facilitate right. a fun and fair game. Yep. It should not dictate the outcome of the game. Like, dude, like that was one of the reasons why we started the ITC. Was we used to call them wacky and wild missions. And in the old days, like I don't know how long you've been you've been playing, but um, if you got started with AOS, you haven't been playing that like too long. Right. But yeah. in the old, old days, every time you went to a tournament, it was a di- literally it was a different experience. There was zero, zero standardization. None. Yeah. Yeah. So every TO was just like pulling shit out of his ass. Excuse my French. <laughs> and like, dude, you go to a, a tournament, like this turn, everyone moves double speed. And next turn, everyone moves half speed. And you're like, this is idiotic. Like, right. Like this is the dumbest thing I've I've ever done in my life. Like, I mean, like how can you how can you plan for that? You know what I mean. And can't. I guess that's the point is you can't plan for it. Like so what that's what the TL's trying to do, right? It's like oh here's the little here's the little thing that's gonna s- switch it up a little bit. But at the end of the day, you're like, look, I've been trying to practice with this army for the last year to refine it to where I've got it down to where I need it to be, only to have a wrench thrown in the works because. I, because the army I'm facing off against get double speed and charged me on that turn and just destroyed me. You yeah, and it's I mean? all because it's because the TO wants to play amateur game designer, which, again, is totally understandable. Like, being creative is a huge part of tabletop gaming. It's, like, yeah. one of the most core things that makes it so fun. But, like, I, that's that's not the place. Like, a tournament's not the place to, like, let's just try this out. It's like, did <laughs> right. you play test your missions? No. Did you even proofread them? No. And like the really fun part was when they would keep them secret. Like, oh, oh we don't right. want anybody actually practicing these before they come. And then you show up and you're like, well, my army doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's cool. it. I remember um, having some RTTs where like the missions were hidden until you got there. And you're just like, really? Why? Like, why? Like, why? why? Like, yeah. oh, you're going to like optimize your list for the mission? You're like, yes. And if you want to get around that, write balanced missions. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Don't. And, you know, I think that that's an important aspect of this. And um, and like you said, probably one of the main reasons why you guys started the ITC. But, you know, if you really want to be competitive, let people be their best, right? Let people absolutely be their best. And they if they can see the, the five missions that you have or, you know, what whatever they are, okay, well, let them plan for that, you know, and let them understand, like, okay, if I'm, if I'm bringing in a, you know, Blood Angels, army or something like that i need to be able to plan for tyranids on this mission just in case so how do i like how do i balance my my list like that and so you know be being able to let people plan being able to let people practice being able to let people work their meta that's locally to them and maybe you know now that we have tabletop simulator online you can try it at almost like a national or global level you know to try to try out your lists um, I think that that definitely ups the competitive play for everybody, you know, like for you to be able to prepare and bring your best list. I think that that's so important. Yeah. And they, like the, in the old, old days, that was like a foreign concept, right. you know, like people would like judge you for like wanting to like win, like, oh, you're a whack player. And you're like, no, man, I'm just competitive. And I enjoy the game more when I'm having a, a close fun game and both players are really engaged that just makes me enjoy it more right and it was like this battle for years to like change people's perceptions in that regard and i think esports helped a lot but um the 
the best thing GW ever did was to just say there's three ways to play. And I was like, thank the emperor. You finally <laughs> acknowledged that different people play the game differently and that it's okay. Like, right. if you don't like playing competitively, that is 100% fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like playing narrative. For you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Playing narrative games is a blast. It's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. Like in the old days, it was a mess, man. It took such an effort to, to change that culturally. Like it was a many years long project, but um, now, you know, and, and, and I don't take full credit for that either. I hope it didn't come across that way. We just, we played a big part in it. I'm really proud of that, but it was a community Absolutely. effort. Yeah. And, so um, when, when did the ITC start, like actually start, start? Um, it, gosh, I think it was 2014. Okay. All right. If I remember so correctly. we're coming on 10 years almost. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I guess, yeah. I guess it was because we had that, that gap year, um, because of stupid COVID that I kind of forget about, but, <laughs> um, so like there was like often with frontline gaming, um, like we, we take another person's idea where they attempted it and it didn't quite work, uh-huh. but it was such a cool idea that then we take a crack at it. And uh, largely because, you know, we got to learn from the other person's attempt. Right. Um, it worked, right? Like the LVO was because GW ran uh, an event called the Throne of Schools in Las Vegas. And it was amazing. It was so cool. We had so much fun. And then they only did it one year. And we're like, what? It was awesome. And then we ran an event in Vegas. We're like, oh, it's hideously expensive. I understand. <laughs> I understand why you only did it one year. Um, yeah, that casino we were, space isn't cheap, is it? Oh, my goodness. Like, I tell people, I'm like, I could buy a nice house for what it costs to run the LVO. <laughs> um, and, like, uh, we were young and dumb, and we just did it anyway, and then we figured it out. But yeah. uh, it was the same with ITC, right? So before there was a rankings HQ, if, I, I think it was am I God, I hope I'm not getting that wrong. I've told this story so many times. I, you, I can't believe it. I'm getting old. I'm getting senile here. Um, but I believe it was called Rank- Rankings HQ. And it was an Australian guy that did it. And when someone showed it to me, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. And um, we would check the rankings all the time. But the technology wasn't quite there. Like, this is pre-ubiquitous smartphones. Yeah, um, right. So, like, the tech wasn't quite there. And, like, uh, what he did was amazing. It was inspiring. But, like... His ranking out like his ranking formula was not, in my opinion, very good. Okay. Um, and that's where Frankie got the the nickname the world's greatest is because he was number one in the world for like a long time. Oh, that's but hilarious. It, but it, but it was because we had the store where we lived that was like had like hundred person RTTs. Oh, I gotcha. And yeah, and so Frankie would go and and win a couple of those, and he was the best player in the world. And I was like. How this RTT is getting more points than like Adepticon? I was like, that doesn't, or like comparable <laughs> points. I was like, that doesn't make sense. Right. Um, and so like he made a really good shot at it. It didn't work out. And so we wanted to keep the ball rolling. So we started out with a ranking system. And it just so happened that this is when we started to transition from fifth into sixth. And then it was at the end of fifth um, when GW just straight up wasn't, an, there was no FAQ. There was no, they didn't answer any rules, questions, nothing. It <laughs> was like. They kind of ghosted everybody then, didn't they? <laughs> for ye- It was like that for years. Yeah, yeah. For years. So the there was, an, there was a community FAQ, FAQ called the INET FAQ. And it was started by um, John Regal and Hank and a bunch of guys from Adepticon. And uh, that was the FAQ that everybody used, right? Ah, interesting. 
because there was no alternative, right? And, like, people bitched about it just like they did with ITC. Like, eh, I don't want to play your version of the rules. And I'm like, okay, well, what would you rather use? Like, oh, we made our FAQ, and it was 90% the same. And there's a couple (laughs) – there was, like, three rules that they changed that they didn't like. And you're like, is that really worth it? Is that really worth making this big stink? So, anyway – um, they did, they were getting to a point where they had a bunch of you know, kids and stuff. And so they handed the INAT FAQ to us and this, all this happened at the same time. Right. So oh, like wow. the, the, yeah. we inherited the FAQ and, uh, we picked up the ball where the, the ranking system got, I don't want to say it got dropped, but where the, the previous person was like, oh, this isn't worth my time anymore. And GW was ghost. Yeah. So what, it what put a us, niche, right? Like, I mean, it's oh, like the, a confluence of, of items there that that led to. I mean, that that that's three very distinct problems. And you know? and <laughs> we ran the LVO the next year. Like, okay, okay. It, it was like you said, it was like serendipity, right? Like, yeah. Like, I don't think you could ever do what we did in any other year. Right. Like, it was just the perfect storm. Right, and we were we were in the right place, and it was an insane amount of work for zero money, and we strictly just did it for the love. Yeah. Um, even though I was cursing people the whole time, like <laughs> gamers can be the the worst. Man. That's how you know you really love it, right? You keep doing it even though you're yelling at people. <laughs> yeah, and like, you know, it comes from a good place because they're passionate, they care about yeah. the thing. Yeah. But dude, every time we updated the FAQ, and people are like, ah, I hate you, you ruined my army. I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself? Like, I I could have been a doctor. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah, right, right. Well, you know, it's uh, funny because uh, in in I think in competitive Warhammer, you know, there's there's almost as much ego as there is in youth rugby. I can tell you that much, right? Youth rugby, yeah. there's like amazing amounts of ego, and uh, but in competitive Warhammer, like you get people who are like, I know how to do this better than you do, and you're like, Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> sure. it's like a combination of being passionate and having a perceived sense of expertise. Right. Right. So like you get these two together, and they're like, No, I'm authoritative on this, and I'm you're wrong, and I'm right, and I'm like. Like I've told people a million times, I'm like the reason the ITC work besides having like the moon and the stars being in the right place at the right time and having yeah. the right skill set. The reason that it worked is because we did not try to tell everybody what to do. It right. was like, it was like wielding Thor's hammer. You know what I mean? Like, like if you, if you did it and you were trying to be a douche and tell everybody they're wrong and you're right instantly, you won't be able to pick it up. Oh yeah, but, for sure. But saying like, everyone gets a vote, everyone gets a voice. We don't think we're smarter than you. We don't think we know the big game better than you. Like, let's all work as a team. That is what made it work. Yeah. And it's funny because I've told people this so many times. And, like, I've seen other people try to do something similar. And they're like, no, it's like this, not like that. And I'm like, wow, you didn't listen, did you? Like, you're not going anywhere with this. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm good friends with Garrett uh, Mulroney, who runs Best Coast Pairings. Um, in fact, it was Garrett that pretty much – Got us playing in got us playing Warhammer. Um, he set up a slow grow campaign at our local store. Uh, my buddy and I found a you know a Facebook post that I think he had put up, and uh, I think I might have played my first Warhammer game against him. Uh, you know, so I know I know Garrett pretty well, and uh, we've actually had him on the show a couple of years ago to talk about you know best coast pairings and and what was going on in Warhammer in 2020 and stuff like that. So. Uh, one of the, I think, important things for the ITC, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but 
Um, having the best coast pairing system tie into the points values is such a critical aspect of the ITC, it seems like. Yeah, we couldn't do it without them. Like, in the yeah. early days, I was doing everything manually on a spreadsheet. Oh, boy. Yeah, and updating those, <laughs> updating the rankings took at least four hours a week. Oh, my gosh. Like, it was a, night, it was a nightmare. Yeah. Right? And that's why I tell people, like, yes, we got lucky with the timing, but it was, it was a labor of love. Like, oh, yeah, that's a slog for sure. Yeah, it was brutal and having people yell at you the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah, right, like right. why am I doing this? <laughs> um, but yeah, so it started out on a spreadsheet and um, I'm, I'm, I'm a level five spreadsheet wizard. Okay, you know okay. what I mean? Nice. Very so, good. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm competent. I know enough to know what I don't know, but uh, I'm not amazing at it. I can really, you know, I can do some simple functions and stuff, but yeah. It as the ITC started to grow incredibly rapidly, I was like, I literally can't do this. So a really super nice guy, Tinbane, is his uh, online persona from Australia. He wrote like he showed me how to use SQL, uh -huh. and he and he wrote a script, and I managed the database, and he wrote a script that would compile it. So that was that was big time. Like that was like, ooh, we're fancy. Like we got some programming going on. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then at that about at that point in time, smartphones started becoming ubiquitous. Yep. Because before we were like, oh, we should just have it on an app. I'm like, ah, eh, not everybody has a smartphone. I, people now are like, what is this dinosaurs? And it wasn't even that long ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, or we're like, oh, they'll run out of batteries. You know, <laughs> like. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then uh, Garrett Garrett randomly had written software for running tournaments, because. Yeah. Before we, people used to do it on a homemade spreadsheet, or we used uh, um, chess software. Oh, right, right, yep. Yeah, yep. And um, and the so Swiss then we were like, Garrett, yeah, 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 like Swiss Perfect and stuff like that. Um, and we're like, Garrett, you made the exact tool that we need to grow. And uh, and so then they started BCP, and then we've been intricately tied to each other um, since, and they keep making a better and better product. And they get a tough rap sometimes because they've had issues in the past, but generally speaking, they made an amazing product and we would not be where we are without them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like they, uh, they, they, again, they were in the right place at the right time to fill a niche that needed to happen. Right. Like that, that, that app was destined to come out in one form or another. Yes. Right? And Garrett yep. happened to be the person to do it. And he knew you guys and you know what I mean? Like, so, um, like, you know, the rest they say is history. And, uh, you know, it's so funny because, uh, you, you may have seen some of the controversy that's come out of Adepticon this last weekend from the Age of Sigmar side. Yes. Um, and you know, it's funny cause on all of my chats, all of my chats, including the ones that Garrett's in and he's, He's been uh, professional about this, but in, including <laughs> the ones that he's in, everybody's saying, why don't they use best coast pairings? Like, why is this so yeah. hard for them? You know, they, they <laughs> I, I'm a, yep, that's the question, yep. isn't it? <laughs> that is the question. One I've been asking for a long time, and it's like, okay, like, anyway. yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is, uh, you know, the, the ITC, in my opinion, has grown so much because it's so easy for tournament organizers, even if you're doing a little RTT, you know, one day thing, just like, just do it in best coast pairings. And it makes it so easy for everybody just to participate. They know their tables, they know their assignments, they know their matchups, they know like who's placing what. And those scores get automatically reported up to the ITC. You know, like, it's so it's, easy. It's so easy. Why, why would you not use it unless you want to do things, make things harder on yourself? You know, yeah. like, 
And like, that was the whole goal with ITC is like, especially like 40 K is still very complicated, but now that, um, for the GW has turned the corner and they're infinitely better company and they engage and then they're, you know, creating tournament packs and all these wonderful things. Before that, it was a, like running a 40 K event or an age of Sigmar event, which they had the generals or they had the, uh, the community, uh, made comp structure. I don't want to call it comp, but points and stuff. Um, before all these things, it was like crazy to try and run a tournament. That's why they were always these wonky, goofy things run on some guy, like doing it on paper or something like that. Yeah. So the whole objective was let's just make it turnkey. Like we're going to provide all the tools, missions, how to handle sportsmanship, yeah. how to score, all like all these things. We're going to hand it all to you, an FAQ, all you have to do. Like if you're a game store owner, and you want to run tournaments, but maybe 40K is not your game, but you have someone that's interested, hand them the packet. They can use whatever they want from it. They can change whatever they want. But if they just go, hey, we're running an ITC event, everybody goes, I know what that is. Yeah. So right. it, like, it, it made it easy, right? And like some people change things, which is fine. There's no big deal. I don't care less, really. But it just made it easy. And that was why the reason why it became as popular as it did is because it worked. That's like whenever people criticize it, I was like, the proof is in the pudding, right? Like... Yeah. So so that brings up an interesting thing. There there has been some obvious criticism of the ITC, right? And I think one of the main ones that I have heard um, is that you are over <laughs> you are over how do how to say this over com, um, uh, how do I say this? You're making it more competitive than than it should be, right? That like all of a sudden now like there's a meta of competition that wasn't there a layer of competition that wasn't there before the itc existed because now everybody's just competing for points and not having fun at tournaments have you heard that criticism before yeah but the thing is is that it's not entirely true right like the, right. what we have done what we've done is connected the, com- the competitive community right right so right. like i i've li- i've moved a million times like i've moved like i'm 41 i've moved 30 times right okay. so like it's just the way my life has been and i've i've played at a gajillion different game stores or like uh and i've been a part of a, a ton of different communities right and every single community i have ever been to you have this division between the guys that play competitively and the guys that do not right and the guys that don't it doesn't matter they're doing their own thing right yeah. Yeah. And then the guys that play competitively, they're the ones who are going to the RTTs. The other guys show up and have fun or not. You know, like all we did is connect everybody. So now what you get is you'll have people traveling to your local scene that may not have before. Yeah. So it feels like the game's getting more competitive, but it's not. It's the same. Uh, it's There's a lot of people that did jump into the competitive scene because there's an incentive to. But it's just they're moving around now, right? Yeah. And it's like if you don't want to play competitively, like I said, that's – totally 100% fine. Like playing a narrative league, like do all that fun stuff or like right. go to a tournament and like, who cares if you win or lose? Cause if you're not a competitive person, really should you, you shouldn't care. Right. But if you're complaining about it, maybe you are competitive. So maybe <laughs> try to up your game and enjoy it more. So it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things like that. That is something that I've, I've heard. Um, yeah. Or like if you have prizes, it'll bring out the worst in people. And it's just <laughs> yeah, that's a, 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 do, a douchey too. player is a douchey player. Right. <laughs> like, People will do it just for the ego trip, just for the, the bragging rights. Like all we've done is added structure. And yeah. again, the proof is in the pudding, right? Like 
more people are going to events, more people are engaged than ever before. And again, I'm not saying ITC is the only thing that caused that, but it was a big part of that. Right. And it's like the net, the net is a huge positive, right? And it's like, I tell people all the time, like if you don't like tournaments, that is totally fine. Yeah. Start up a narrative, uh, narrative event, like a narrative yeah, league. Exactly. Those are a blast. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like create the community you want to be a part of. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think that that is like the biggest counter to that right there, and here here's the reality of it too, right? Um, your the ITC hit right at the zeitgeist of of where it needed to be because again, like you said, uh, you guys were the right people, the right time, the right place. GW started turning the corner around that same time, uh, shortly after, right? In fact, well, I mean, maybe not shortly after, but uh, ooh, what was it, twenty? 2016, 2017, when Age of Sigmar came out, like a lot of people started yeah. noticing that they were like engaging a lot more with the community, that they were putting out more previews for things, that they were putting out the facts, you know, like um, a, a lot of that stuff. So, so you know, GW has started engaging a lot more. Um, and look, the fact is, is that the competitive people are connected more, whether you like that or not. Um, because the thing is, is they're going to go to these tournaments and they're going to be like, hey, man, like, I had a really good game against you. What's your phone number? Join my Discord chat. You know what I mean? Like, there's, they're, they're going to get connected anyway. And the ITC, like you said, has just given a competitive structure to that connection that was already going to take place. You know? Right. Um, so, like, for example, I told you, you know, my friend moved to Southern California and we still chat all the time about lists and competing and stuff like that. And he's in a completely different meta now because he's in California and I'm in Virginia, you know. And yet here we are still connected because, you know, technology has allowed us to do that. And so I don't think it's I don't think it's the ITC's fault that, you know, we're seeing more competition. I think, too, we're seeing bigger um, events that are happening uh, and again, this is, I think, directly related to a lot of you guys, right? The Las Vegas Open, the Bay Area Open. We're seeing these big events that are happening that um, more and more people want to be a part of. And, yeah. you know, like, that's that's a big part of the competition too, right? And then the, all the RTTs that lead up to it. It's it's a lot like the, um, a lot like the, uh, uh, the ATP, right? The, t the tennis professional stuff where, like, You'll have the U.S. Open, but the month beforehand, you've got all the, like, there's, like, a big tennis tournament here in D.C. in July, you know, that happens. And in August, there's, like, you know, a big tournament that happens in um, New Jersey type of thing. And then then that, like, all those are all tune-up, warm-up events that lead to the U.S. Open that happens Labor Day weekend, right? So, like, all the RTTs feed into the ITC that feed into, like, the bigger tournaments that you go to. And again, you know, uh, the competitive people were going to always find them, find each other, you know, especially in our day of being connected. So the ITC just gives structure around, well, how do we compare ourselves in a kind of equitable way, even though I play in a Virginia meta and you play in a Las Vegas meta, how can we compare ourselves and see who's doing well? You know, and um, I think that speaks volumes to your guys' ranking system because I don't think that that's easy, but I think that it's pretty good. I think it's, I think it's a pretty good system. Thank you very much. Yeah, and, like, there's always room for improvement. We never set out saying we're the best. Um, it was just, like, the, we felt like the game would be more fun, like the community would be more engaged with it. 
Yeah. And and we were fortunate enough to be in a position with the, the work ethic and the, the skill set to make it happen. And it's it's literally it's it's one of the proudest achievements of my life to have to see what we've been able to do with like now a global system of people to have it go from an idea in my brain to a thing that's in made that has improved or added joy to the lives of tens of thousands of people all around the world is like such a cool feeling, even though, again, it costs money to do it. Well, I was going to say, uh, like, you guys offer prizes at the end of oh, the ITC dude, it's, year, right? Like, running the ITC cost a lot of money, a yeah. lot of money. And, and that's, that's not I'm not cheap. even calculating <laughs> like hours, like like right. literal cash. But there, there was a, and I'm not trying to, to play the victim card or anything. Like it, it made my, it made our company extreme, like much, it made our, our company globally known, right. even though we're right. a relatively small company. So like there, there was definitely a benefit for us. It's just, it's an intent. It's a difficult to measure. Right. Um, but we, we did it we did it for the love of the game like literally well there's the something the very very special at the end of the LVO right where normally you're just handing out prizes to whoever you know won the tournament maybe best in destruction best in order or whatever you know obviously I'm taking I'm talking to Age of Sigmar here but um, you know you're handing out prizes but then you get to say okay let's talk about the ITC prizes right and you get to go through the different factions and you recognize those people that like crushed it um i'm gonna go back to you know matt barker he ended up winning best nurgle this last year by like four points something like that you know what i mean which is crazy small margin of victory <laughs> there like yeah. over the course of a year you know what i mean so um it was pretty it was pretty insane um how um how tight it was and yet you get that feeling at the las vegas open of like Wow, like this is a year's worth of effort that's kind of in the books here, you know, and um, and and what that looks like. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's you know it's 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 a it's it's really neat. It's quite the accomplishment the team and the community has has pulled off, and definitely something that on a personal level I'm very proud of. Um, and now it's really cool to see GW getting involved and have official partnership and recognition. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's validation of all the hard work and, you know, to everybody that made it possible, it's like a sincere and heartfelt thank you. Like it was worth all the time, energy and money, um, to make it come to life. So it's been cool. It's, it's, it's something not very many, um, people are in a position to be able to, to, to do. And the team and I have, it's been our privilege to do it. And then it's nice to have GW helping now too, because I was getting a little bit burnt. <laughs> well, I, so this is, you know, this is probably the last topic that I want to touch on. Uh, there was a big announcement. Uh, what was it, about a month ago that the ITC, uh, you guys, and GW were partnering up for their Warhammer Open events uh, here in the United States. So uh, why don't you talk us a little bit about like what is that partnership exactly, and like what does that mean for you guys, and what does the future look like for the ITC and, and, and Frontline Gaming? So the GW is going to be uh, very, very involved in it, which is great, right? Like having a, a third-party company, like having influence over the way your game is played is not an optimal position right. um, for them. And we, under, we understood that. That's why we entered into negotiations to partner up. Um, and then from their point of view, we also did a really good job, right? So like, right. why would they rock the boat too much? Yep. Um, and now with, uh, with Mike running all their events, their events are going to be really cool. And, you know, people that want our, like, 
one that like ITC and, and LVO and also the Depticon are getting like trips out to the to the GW Invitationals. Yep. So that they're going to be badass events that are really fun, and I encourage anybody to go. I, they usually sell out. Um, but yeah, it's basically we're working together um, for like the ITC structure and um, to to enhance everyone else's events. So like if you're if you're running an event and you're in the ITC, um, and I, I can't remember the exact specifications. I don't remember if they publish them yet or not, so I don't want to say anything. But you'll get free support for your event if you're a, a registered TO running an ITC event. Oh, wow. That's pretty So cool. it's it's not just like us and them. It's it's every, it's literally everybody. So uh, you said you didn't want to talk about the specifics of support, right? Um, well, it's like the winners of the events will get a free digital codex as just a starting point. Oh, wow. That's amazing. It's I, all, yeah, it's super bad. Like you could be running an event in, in, I don't know, Thailand, which we have several events in Thailand in ITC. Um, <laughs> that's hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Fizzy's Game Store. I remember the name. Um, it, like, let's say you win an event there and you hit all the qualifications, which are very simple. Yeah, like you get a free, you get a free digital codex of your choice. Um, TOs will get support that like if you're a TO for a certain period of time doing a certain because like they don't want someone to just go oh I'm a TO and get free stuff obviously. Right, right. Um, you'll get like all the rules for your game for free while you're actively TOing. Oh, nice. Um, okay. yeah, yeah, like and you know GW like I'm waiting for them to make all the full announcements, but yeah. um, like they're getting super involved and they, they have obviously dramatically more resources than frontline gaming does. Yeah. So that like they can do way cooler stuff than we ever could. Well, it just legitimizes it even more. Right. And, and makes it, uh, again, they're, they're getting involved because you guys set the standard for it. And people said, we like this standardization. Of course, there's some naysayers, right. That are going to complain. Everybody's Everybody's going to have complainers out there. Um, but the fact is, is that all of a sudden, like these events have been growing significantly. I mean, I think, I think, uh, the Atlantic city open was sold out last year for age of Sigmar. Yeah. Um, uh, Martin did a really good job. Yeah. And so, I mean, like sold out, like during the pandemic, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it was, it was incredible. And I, and I'm sure they're going to be sold out again this year if they're not already. Um, I don't know when tickets have gone on sale for them, but, um, I already know a whole bunch of people are already planning to go. So, you know, like the, the fact is, is that you guys are seeing a huge uptick in demand because of the standardization, because of the quality of events that you guys are running. And again, the tie into the ITC gives a little bit, you know, it's always fun to go look your name up and see how good you are compared to your friends yeah. in the world. You know? Yeah, I mean, that that's that's it's just it's fun. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Like it's just it's just fun to see yourself rise and fall in the rankings. It, it's you know, like if you play online video games or whatever, like I used to play Dawn of War competitively and it was fun yeah. to see yourself on the leaderboards. Oh, I hit platinum, you know. It's just it's just fun. It makes the game more engaging. Well, and it's you know, it's great because that means that Games Workshop is involved in the game and they're gonna get faster feedback on how to improve their game, right? If they're seeing how events are being run, how things are going, um, they'll understand like, oh, you know, some things may not be working and let's work to fix them. So I think it's yeah. great for Games Workshop to step in, let you guys still kind of run it, but give you all the support that you need to do that. That's a that's a great position to be in right now. Yeah, it, 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 it worked. The ITC worked as well as I ever could have dreamed it working. Um, you know, like... 
it, 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 I feel like it was mission accomplished and it's a, it's a very satisfying feeling and not just for us, for everybody. Cause every, like it obviously wouldn't exist if everybody wasn't participating and enthusiastic, right. Right. even enthusiastically critical, you know what I mean? Like yeah, all right. those things helped to, to make it. And I, I feel like the Eagle landed, you know, I was like, wow, like I, I've had a lot of failures in life cause I, you know, being an entrepreneur, that's just the way it goes. Yep. And when something like that you're really passionate about sticks, it's it's a really cool feeling. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Reese Robbins from Frontlight Gaming, thank you for coming on to the show. A um, lot of great information here. Love love that you guys are succeeding. Uh, you know, especially um, stepping into a leadership role in the game, in the industry. I think uh, you know when I see your when I see your ads, like like you said, you're an internationally known company, which is uh, which is pretty amazing. And uh, a thought leader in the a thought leader in the community. So appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your thoughts, and uh, you know we'll have to have you back again sometime soon. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure speaking to you. All right, you have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. Um, feel free to leave us some content on our you know Facebook page or Twitter when we get this posted out. Let us know what you'd like to hear. Uh, if you want us to talk about something specifically Warhammer, uh, let us know, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. All right, have a good night, all.